Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 71st episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I'm your host, Katie M. Kane. Our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, she is the owner of Chapters Alumni. It's a booking company out of Portland, Oregon. She is doing super huge, super major things in the music industry as far as, dude, like it's more than just booking. And, and, and I know this girl from way back tell the story later but i'm super proud of her super duper proud of her just because i i know her from way back and she's making big moves and i'm um, glad to have her on the show her name is Ebeth hernandez ladies and gentlemen hey. Ebeth, are you with us i am what's up thank you for having me oh dude thanks for coming on the show like for i sure. uh man can, can i give a little bit of context of the story on how i know you <laughs> of course okay so Anybody listening to my podcast might have heard some of my music. I used to, you know, I'm more rock and roll now. I used to rap when I was a kid. Uh, reggaeton at the time. This is around like 04, 05, right? And so I'm, I'm a DJ also during this era. And so every time I DJ, it would always be some dope Spanish girls coming up to the booth want me to play some reggaeton. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, I didn't have a lot of it. And so I... I I did, uh, it was a Mexican sorority and they gave me like five CDs and were like, can you just play this? I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? I won't work some of my shit in, but it was hard for me to pick songs and they, they were like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And it was <laughs> weird, but it didn't, it didn't matter. It's like, as long as I played a song off of one of those CDs, it was cracking. And so I'm like, man, I got to write one of those. And so my, my first roommate in college is from Pomona, California. His name is Rocky Loma. Shout out to Rock. He helped me write the chorus, and it's a song called Staloka um, from the from the top left corner mixtape. Shout out to Max and Shannon, and Rock helped me write it over the phone. And so I came out to Portland to record it, and I, I don't want to put you out there too much either. But it's like I, I I had met you before you came through on this studio session because you used to before I met certain rappers in Portland that could plug me in, you were, you were the weed, like you would call, you had a homie who would bring us nugs at the studio. You know what I mean? So when, when we got out there for that session, it was like craziness was there at RPMs. And I'm like, dude, we need a, someone who speaks Spanish to coach me through this. And you were just like, well, fuck, I don't know. I was like, man, what about that? You Beth girl, the girl does tonight. And he's like, yeah, she does speak Spanish. I'm like, man, would she come through? You know what I mean? And, He's like, I'll call her, you know, and, and you did, you came through RPMs and it, it just, uh, the, the, I, cause I did, I had it written down and I, I showed you what I had recorded already. And you were like, no, fuck no, you can't say it like that. You got to say it like this. You know what I mean? And it, it was so awesome to have a, cause I don't want to, I'm not a culture vulture and I don't want to misrepresent and, and I, you know, it, it was yeah. dope to have you there to, to, cause I, I wanted Spanish girls to hear that song and feel like, all right, cool. He's, he's at least trying to communicate with us in, in our language. You know what I mean? So that's it, so uh, dope. yeah, it, it felt good. And so that, that's how I met you or, or knew you originally from like 15 years ago. God, and, and forever I, ago. Yeah. And so when I moved to Portland in 2010, um, I, I started noticing, uh, you were, you were making booking agent moves and then, uh, then I figured out the name of the company it was Chapters Alumni, and I, you know, I did fisheries at first, and then cannabis for a while, and then I just ended up working for Lyft because I made the most money for the least amount of time, and I was working uh, Lyft, and it was like Travis Scott at, at the Coliseum or something, and yeah, I, I was just like, I saw 
your it said chapters alumni presents travis scott or something like that on the marquee and i'm just like fuck i know that girl man like and i can't i dropped off like 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 five people you know what i mean and it was cracking and there was a super big line and I'm just, i just so felt i felt so proud i'm like man that's that's dope and that's way before we had the podcast but it just was like man shout out to you bev because she's really, really doing big <laughs> shit you know what i mean and um it just meant a lot to me because you showed up for us when we you know we we just needed someone to help you know and that's how you gotta do it yeah yeah no i appreciate that so much that was actually probably the biggest show we've done in portland it was at the memorial coliseum it was sold out it was travis scott and that was actually the show where he brought out drake Dude. so like drake showed up like we were like what like even as organizers that like kind of threw us off we didn't find out till like earlier that day that drake uh, was gonna come through it was crazy but it was a pretty memorable show for sure no doubt man like that that that's awesome man like i uh <laughs> super impressive you know what i mean uh, and and uh super happy about the the shit that you're doing man like it's, it's tough um, yeah it's really fun and and can i so uh i mean dude i i usually just freestyle the interviews i have one question at the end that i ask every time but uh it's what how, how did you focus in on this on booking because I, I i know you've you've been in contact like you've got people in your family who make music and stuff too but what i mean what made you focus on creating a booking agent company when did that start like can you can you tell us a little bit about the history of your organization for sure um I think my whole life I've been really into planning events and music. And so I always knew that I wanted to do something that kind of married both of those two things. And so when I was in college, I was on the student government at PCC. And my job was to like oversee all of the student events on campus and manage like a huge budget. And so what I was doing was I was like, planning all these rap events and like paying my friends to come perform. So I started oh. to kind of build my network that way. And then yeah. CJ must've get... got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so then I, I started to get a reputation as like the girl who pays rappers, like local rappers, which was kind of unheard of at the time. And so that way, you know, I just made a lot more friends that were doing stuff locally and whatnot. Um, and eventually I met this guy named, oh, well, his real name is Chris. He's from Seattle. And he was a rapper back then. And uh, we met on social media. We actually met on Black Planet. Neither one of us is Black. He's Asian and I'm Mexican. <laughs> but we met and just started networking because he was an artist in Seattle. And he was like, yo, like, I've been trying to get into Portland shows. Like, how can I get on a bill? Yada, yada, yada. So we just kind of started networking. And this had to be 2004. Okay. And then we stayed cool for years. And in 2009, he introduced me to a guy named Jacob, who was from Idaho, but lived in Portland. Jacob was doing a lot of the same things I was doing, but almost on a bigger scale. Like he was bringing artists to town. I, I remember he brought Cassidy, the rapper Cassidy, to Portland. Uh, dude, and, I'm a hustler. I'm a, I'm a hustler, yep. homie. Yeah. And so we linked up at that show. That was kind of like our first meeting. And then... Chris was like, yo, you and Jacob got to work together. Like, y'all got to do some stuff together because y'all both killing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if y'all teamed up, like, it could be really dope. And this was, like, the beginning of, like, that blog rap era with, like, Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller, like, yeah. all those guys, right? I, I, I talked about it like it's the style era. Like, style points were the most important. You had to sound different from everyone else. And since then, it's 
everyone sounds the same yeah so back then that was like such a dope era for hip-hop because yeah it was the first time that we were given a new platform other than like radio and cds um to kind of get exposure right and so a lot of artists were now popping up on like two dope boys the source i mean just these these hip-hop blogs were really kind of putting people on at the time and so one artist, we were getting a lot of hip hop shows in Portland at the time, but they were all like old school West Coast rappers. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But the young teenage kids, they wanted uh, to hear that's the, the shit stuff I grew up blocks. on. But the kids, yeah. Exactly, right? So imagine being, you know, yeah, a 15 year old high school. The, the kid. kids, the kids control the traffic. So yeah, they wanted to man. hear, they wanted to They don't want to hear Warren G. Blocks. I want to hear Warren G, but they're like, who the fuck is Warren G? Exactly. So. Jacob, yeah. uh, Jacob, Chris, and I um, booked the rapper Currency from New Orleans. And okay. at the time, I was like, isn't he kind of falling off? And everybody was like, no, he's making a comeback, yada, yada, yada. So we were like, all right, whatever. We took a chance. We booked him at the Roseland, which is like the most prominent independent music yeah. label, music yeah. venue in Portland. And yeah. uh, they took they took a risk with even renting the space to us too because like they didn't know us we'd never thrown a show before we were just like we're just trying to throw this big ass show this is our budget yeah. whatever so they let us do it and it sold over eight hundred tickets and Damn. that was huge right like was, was it smoked huge. out was it smoked out I feel like it was like pretty smoked out even though you know, right. smoked, I mean come on it's currency like yeah. he, is, he is that guy it's gonna you know? happen it's gonna happen man. So after that, like the venue called us in for a meeting and they were just kind of like, how did you guys know that this show would do well? And we were like, well, you know, we're kind of keeping an eye on the vlogs and kind of got our ear to the street, listening to what the kids want to say. And so they were like, all right, bet. So let's partner up and do another show. And we partnered up and did another show. And then the rest of the history. What was the next one? I want to say that it was Mac Miller. It was the first Mac Miller tour that he did. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. Mac. R.I.P. Man. And then that. uh, Then a few months later, we brought out J. Cole, and that was his very first tour. Mm -hmm. That show was like on Thanksgiving. What project was was out right then? What was the shit he performed? God. So whatever was his first single and stuff. That's what it was because it was it was sponsored by BET and it was his very first tour ever. And it was him and the singer K. Michelle, and it was on Thanksgiving, and it sold out. We were like, nobody's going to come. It's Thanksgiving. It's in the evening. Sold out. And then after that, we booked another really legendary show that December, the month after, which was um, the Smokers Club tour. And that was, God, I can't even remember everybody, but it was Currency. It was Nipsey Hussle. It was Don Kennedy. It was... so many guys from the South, like, I can't even tell you all the people that were on it, but it was, like, pretty legendary and pretty epic. And after that, that kind of solidified our place in the scene uh, in Portland and in the Northwest, really. We had people coming from Seattle. We had people coming from, like, Eastern Oregon, Eugene, Corvallis. Uh, yeah, you know? bro. Especially when you see a flyer with all those names on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, it's like, we, we got to pull out the stash and, and you know, go rip. Because... Yeah, that's a, that's what I always loved about Oregon. Oregon too is uh, the cannabis culture is real. It's a way of life, and so it seemed like at rap shows, dude, the the smell in the air is it's that's not the smell at the dispensary. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's got their fucking biggest best shit, and it, it like whoa, like it's you don't even have to bring weed and you'll be high in the crowd. You know what I mean? Man, so it, yeah. it just it, uh, 
I always thought that was dope. And and everybody does show up for something that's tight. Oh yeah. You know? And so it's it's cool that you're doing tight shit. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, that was really fun. And so basically from there, you know, we we've continued to do shows to this day. I mean, if it weren't for COVID, we'd still be putting on shows right now. But uh We've grown a lot. We expanded into doing things nationally. We booked a bunch of tours across the country, you know, over 30 city tours. Um, we've brought in, you know, every hip hop artist you can think of to Portland in the Northwest. We've partnered up with other companies, like small independent companies across the country to do some really cool stuff. So, yeah, it's been nice. this is a question I had. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe you don't. Um, but uh, I, I know when you said Drake came through for that Travis Scott show. Like, did mm-hmm. he do? Did he do a beer with Breakside Brewery? Like, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like I read that somewhere online. And when I was driving Lyft, right, I, I would always try and hit a Plaid Pantry before two, so mm-hmm. when I got off at three, I could get home and sip a little bit before I try and go to sleep. But mm-hmm. there was this from Breakside Brewery. It was like a caramel, a salted caramel stout beer, and it, it, they didn't have it in Sixers. They just had it in those tall beers. And the the plat on Burnside right down there by the river, it sold out so fast. And so I'd have huh. to look in other parts of the city. But I I read somewhere that he was responsible for that collaboration because it was it was Breakside and then what's it, Salt and Straw? That's that's the ice oh, cream yeah. place. That's the ice cream place. Yeah. It was those two companies collaborating on that beer. And it was fucking fire, yo. You know what I mean? I so know. yeah. If if you run into that guy and I'll like, find ask, out. Yeah. And because, fuck, dude, if they promoted that a little, because that was my, I haven't, because I like stout beers, man. It's, I only need to That's drink two. like such a random thing for Drake to do, but I mean, it's possible. Shit, you never know. Yeah. Because uh, I like stout beers. I only need two of them. And, you know, like it's, uh, when when they taste good like that, it's like, mm. uh, um, <laughs> You know, um, that that was another thing. I, I I talked to you. Uh, can I can I change the direction just a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So I I was talking to you earlier this week, um, and and I asked you if it was okay if I asked this question, <laughs> um, but I I remember you, you like you started a, a following a new religion. You know what I mean? And 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 it was like uh super public on your social media and everything too and I, I just thought that was dope because uh i mean it's been a long time since that happened but mm. I'm, I'm asking about because people i switch genres right and people still are like why the fuck did you do that you know mm-hmm. what i mean i'm like bro because that's the, that's what i want to do yeah. that's what i believe in and that's what i enjoy and so i'm not trying to speak for you but i just wanted to ask the question in, yeah. in a positive way you know what i mean i um you're right i grew up a uh, roman catholic like most uh latinos around the world and yep. I, I would say probably my in my late teens i kind of started falling out of love with that religion um just because there yeah. were there were a lot of uh, like scandals in the news about like you know Catholic priests like touching little boys and all the sex uh, sex abuse allegations that were coming out like that just really turned me away from the church. But I always yep. had a really strong belief in God and I always prayed and I always wanted a connection to like a higher power. But I just didn't feel like that was right for me, you know. 
Um, and yeah. so I just kind of started doing my research on different religions. I read up on different stuff. I watched a ton of videos. I would ask people whenever I could. Um, and then I started hanging out with a friend that I had met in high school and I had lost contact with him um, for a long time. And so when we reconnected, um, he was Muslim, his parents are Muslim. And it was cool because every time we'd be hanging out, he'd be like, oh, excuse me a minute. I've got to go pray. I'll be right back. And then uh, like later yeah, on, it's like, day, he'd be like, oh, I'll be right back. I got to go pray. So I was like, damn, like this dude is hella is, religious. Is, like what dude, is going yeah. on? Is, is, it, is it five times a day? Because yes. dude, I'm, I'm just curious because I... My my uh, second roommate in college was the Korean. He's he's a rapper, and mm -hmm. his father was Muslim. And so my experience with that was, uh, I would come home from work and I'd have a bottle, and he'd be like, "No, nah, I'm not drinking tonight." And I'd be like, "The fuck, bro! I got E and J for you. I bought you a bottle, even. You know what I mean?" Yeah. He's just like, it it was some sort. I don't know what the fast was, but Ramadan. he's like, "No, I'm uh, yeah." And so he's like, "I'm I'm fasting until I'm like, mm -hmm. you're not gonna eat nothing or drink nothing." He's like, "No, not mm -hmm. until tomorrow." Yeah. And it would just, he was, it was discipline, you know what I mean? And I would just sit there like, huh, because I'm, I'm just an Indian from the res, you know what I mean? He's a black dude originally from Detroit, but grew up in Tacoma in high school. So it just, for me, I'm just like asking questions, curious. Yeah. So I, if, if I'm sound like a dipshit or a dummy. No, I'm sorry, not at all. It, not at all. It I is talking about this. And it, 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 it is five times a day that you pray. Yep. So we pray five times a day. And when we fast, we fast for 30 days during the month of Ramadan. Um, and it's okay. basically fasting from sun up to sundown. So that's, you know, four in the morning till about 8.30 p.m. or so, depending on the, the time of the year. But no okay. water, no food until sundown. And then when sun comes down, you break fast with your family and there's a ton of food and everybody you know kind of comes together it's actually really dope it's people a lot of people focus a lot of their uh questions and energy around like oh my god you guys can't eat anything for like all day but to be honest that's not like, a big deal it's not, not a big, a big deal. deal and like yeah. science will tell you today that that's actually super healthy for you for your body to Hell take a break yeah. from having to digest it's super healthy it actually boosts your immune system like all types of benefits yeah. like health benefits for that um but additionally i learned a lot yeah, in Portland, I learned a lot just about from that being stuff. there. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, and it's, it's also just like community. a, it's a, it's an opportunity to disconnect from all of the other things because it's not just about fasting from food. It's really about fasting from things that are distractions and getting back focused on your connection to God and your connection to yourself and. You know, a lot of people set goals for things they want to accomplish during that month, whether it's, you know, reading the Quran, memorizing more of the Quran, you know what I'm saying? Giving charity is super important, a very important thing you're supposed to do during that time. Um, yeah, and that's so one thing I want to I want to commend you for that, too, because I know you don't publicly post all of the shit that you do to help the community. <laughs> It's it's when you when you do post, it's you're asking for help from other people who can contribute to the cause. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, I think that's dope too, because a lot of people it kind of feeds their ego, and mm -hmm. that that's it doesn't feel like that's what you're doing it for because it's not. I don't see about it unless you're really like, yo, if you guys want to bring through some water, or yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like, hey man, if if you haven't worked in a couple of weeks and you need a, a package of food, drive through this school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and that's dope. Yeah. You guys, you know what I mean? Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's a hard time right now. A lot of people are going through it. You know, my own family has had a lot of um, loss of wages and things like that. And so I think it's super important that we all kind of stick together right now and do as much as we can for each other. 
Um, and we don't always have to boast about it. We don't always have to, you know, go public with it. I think it's more sincere when it's, you know, kind of done behind the scenes, but to each their own. Yeah, no doubt. Help, help is help, but you know, like, yeah, do it for the right reasons is, is my message, I guess. You know? <laughs> um, so like, uh, just circling a little bit back to the religion question, like mm-hmm. what, what did your family like was, cause I, there's only certain family members that really accept me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and the ones that don't, I just, I don't communicate with. And it's mm-hmm. like, if I have to be in the same room with them, I, I acknowledge them and that's it. Yeah. You know, like otherwise, you know, so, I mean, was there any of that with your fan? Like, was there anybody that was super un- unaccepting or like, and what's it like now? Cause it's like, that's the thing too, is everybody's like, oh, it's just a phase. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's not. I'm, I'm still this guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, you know, I believe in what I believe in, you know? My, my parents were, it was weird because like, I kind of phased into it. Like first I stopped drinking. No, no, no. First, yeah. First I stopped drinking in 2009. Then I stopped eating pork and then I stopped eating meat altogether. And then I started covering before I even took uh, my Shahada and became Muslim. I started covering my hair. And then I remember one day coming home to my parents' house with my hair wrapped up. And I was like, hey, mom, dad. So I just converted to Islam. And they were just kind of like, okay. My my mom said uh, something really funny. She was like, well, you know, just try it out for a little while. And if you don't like it, you can just come back. (laughs) (laughs) But they were never... They were never like. It's okay, baby. It's okay, baby. We yeah, you know, we'll, we'll take you. Moms back. are the best. We'll take you. Moms back. are the best. Um, yeah. No, but now, <laughs> and they were never like openly against it. I think they kind of had a lot of questions, and they kind of wondered how that even came to be. But they never disowned me or anything like that. And if anything, like it made them a lot more curious. And now they're super supportive of it. You know, my mom always cooks these big meals during Ramadan when it's time to break fast and. You know, they ask awesome. them the questions and um, she cook them. She cooks them without meat too. Without meat or with like halal with, meat, like kosher meat. She'll cook. Oh meat. yeah, 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 man! Can yeah. you tell me about that too? Because I, yeah. I like, dude, I see that at, at stores. It says halal meat, and I'm like, uh-huh. I, I've I've had guys in my car when I was driving Lyft who were Muslim, and I'm like, dude, call me a I'm an Indian from the red. Like, man, what is halal meat? Yeah. Like, can can you can you tell me about that? You know, can can For you sure. give me your because it's they they slaughter it like in an like they they pray and blindfold it. like they try to make it the least because that's one thing I could tell you too is as a hunter um, gatherer fisherman if you shoot an elk or a deer and it fucking runs for a mile or two and then drops the meat doesn't taste as good as if you just oh, wow. fucking shot it in the neck and dropped it like that. Uh, the acid that gets into its muscles when it's stressed out and it's fucking running as hard as it can. Like it makes it taste different, dude. Like it totally mm. does. Like when, I feel like when people bitch about that gamey taste, that's what it is. You know what I mean? Because otherwise mm. if, you got, if you just got some regular elk burger, you can't tell the fucking difference, man. Mm. We'll give you a side by side test between this and something from Red Robin. And you'd be like, the elk burger tastes better. Yeah. But uh, I feel like that, and I, I don't want to interrupt or put that into part of the story, but when, when I hear about halal, I'm like, man, that they're, they're, they're trying not There's to let that though. happen too. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, so there is truth to that, right? Yeah. Because what happens so, is, so yeah, in order, you, you when you kill the animal, um, it is believed that 
when you go out to the farm or wherever your animals are and you're picking out the animal to slaughter, like you'll see that the animal is submitting, like the animal is willingly coming to you to die. And so they pray over the animal and they slice just a little slice across the neck in a way that is like as painless as possible, pretty much so that the animal is not off running around. Like you said, um, yeah. yeah, so they slaughter the animal that way, they pray over it, and then that meat that meat is then okay for you to eat. And so um, it's believed that we can eat meat that is preyed upon by Muslims or by what they call people of the book. So if it was like okay. Christian people, Jewish people, we could eat their yeah, meat also. Like, but not, if we don't yeah. know what they are, then we can't really eat it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So so is, is the term halal somewhat comparable or relatable to like kosher in, in yeah, Jewish culture, the, I guess? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just one's in Arabic and one's in Hebrew. So halal ah. is the Arabic, kosher is the Hebrew for the most part. I mean, I think with kosher stuff, there's a few more like rules and regulations around what makes a meal kosher or what makes food kosher. But I think the meat portion at least is very similar. Yeah. Okay, dope. So like, I can, man, go, I can go to a store and buy kosher meat that says kosher and i could still eat that okay dope i man thanks for the education man because mm-hmm. I, I i you know like you can read certain shit online but i like talking to people man yeah. you know like that's that's why i enjoy my podcast so much because it's it, it's uh sometimes i have my friends you know that i talk to all the time on here because i know mm-hmm. i can talk to them for an hour but it's dope to see someone i haven't talked to in a long time and have that like have them answer questions honestly about because yeah my curiosity my curiosity runs deep you know what i mean i'm just mm-hmm. like you know like man maybe I'll, i'm gonna talk to her one day no that's stuff. dope i love talking yeah. about stuff i love talking to people yeah i miss yeah that human connection right now since we've been in like quarantine yes. like it was it's already like awkward enough and hard enough as an adult to like meet people when you're an adult because like where do you meet people where do you make new friends you know what i'm saying yeah and now it's like oh we're also in quarantine like i'm never gonna meet anybody new i'm never gonna make new friends i'm never gonna meet interesting people you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah because and that's one thing i uh i drove an electric car in portland from 2015 Mm. until i got rear-ended and almost three years in 2017 oh, December I got rear-ended they totaled it but yeah. dude the the people you meet at the charging stations are so fucking cool and interesting <laughs> dude like there's I just made like so many friends like there's one yeah. buddy I, I have his name's Brent Hasty and he, he makes uh pellet stoves he welds them and he makes them in such a way so that it it fits in the if it fits it ships box you know okay. what I mean yeah. so because that shit's heavy as fuck you know what I mean? It's it's made out of iron, but it, it'll heat your home no matter where you're at. You can it's it's a real easy solution to heat your home for cheap, and he sells them for a fair price for cheap, and it, the shipping is there. And so I was like, dude, hella dope idea. But he moved to Finland, so he's in Finland now doing the same hustle, and it's just cool to see him post about you know he'll post pictures of the grocery store and what's available out there, and <laughs> what, you know some of the stuff they cook, and it, it just uh. It's so cool to me because I, I I would have never have met that guy yeah. or talked to him at all if I wasn't sitting there parked next to him charging my car like he was. And then I, with him, I, I jumped out with uh, a blunt, you know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> I got 30 minutes to wait. And he's like, 
What's up with that? I was like, you smoke? He's like, yeah. Like, because he looked like a just a square bare white boy to me. I'm like, didn't he eat this shit? You know, it, 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 uh, it made me make like lifelong friends through that's situations like that. So yeah. that's what one suggestion I could give you, Beth, is roll electric. You know what I mean? Because you're I'm trying. I wish I could afford. Y'all need some characters. <laughs> well, dude, the, uh, you could get like a used Nissan Leaf that's you know will go 65, 70 miles on a charge for I like five k. I wanted um, I wanted a but, what's it called uh. What's the really popular one? Nissan Leaf. No, what's uh, the um, the main one the, the that one, that came out first. The the Tesla. No, it wasn't the Tesla. Well, because because the main one I would suggest to you. Oh, the uh, Prius. That's the a Prius. hybrid, though. So I yeah, it's a hybrid. I don't 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 do that. Don't do that. Just go all the way electric. In 2014, I was like, I'm getting a Prius, and I went to the car dealership, and I walked out with a BMW. <laughs> so I don't know how yeah. that happened, but I yeah. still want an electric car so bad. What, the the one I would refer you to is the uh, Kona, um, oh, Hyundai oh. Kona. They, they make an electric one, and okay. it goes 200 and. 250 miles on a full charge Dope. so like dude it's like a little suv it's it's butter that's the one i oh, want cool. it, 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 i feel like after this year there's gonna be some people who leased it two years ago who are returning it for a new oh, one and i want i want i want one of those because because they're like 35 36 new or something mm. i don't want to spend that on a car man. hey that's still better than a tesla teslas are yeah God, so expensive yeah dude even aftermarket like those things maintain their value you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you can't you can't even find a used one for that cheap so Excellent. shout out to shout out to elon musk for making man such he's just making so much money it makes me sick it, well the, the the thing that I, I i talked about keegan smith with this on the show that i think is cool about him is everything all of his technology it's patented but the patent is open and it, the the blueprints for everything are available online so mm. if you're into that Mm-hmm. and you want to make something similar you can use it for free without okay. paying him or his company you know mm-hmm. so i'm like dude that's like it's like if a rapper went diamond for 10 albums and said you guys can sample all my shit or do whatever the fuck you want with it and not pay me like that would be sick i'd be like dude yeah i'm like no way really like i mean the that, cool that thing about awesome. elon musk and because i read up on like a lot of science stuff i love science but he People always talk about him like a mad scientist, right? Like, you don't know. It's too early in his career for us to know if he's the good guy or the bad guy. And that's, like, super intriguing, right? Like, he's on his whole, yeah. like, um, artificial intelligence tip where he's just, like, put out an yeah. ad and he's just like, I don't care if you dropped out of high school. I don't care if you have a college degree. I don't care what you do with your life. As long as you can program and you are into AI, I will give you a job if you can prove that this is what you're into, yeah. but you have to like live it and breathe it and sleep it because he yeah. just wants good people that are into the same ideas that he's into. You know what I mean? And I think that's well, I, I, I honestly feel like everyone who works there too, even down to the factory workers, they understand who they're working for and mm-hmm. what the mission is. And they, they get all these, like he's trying to kill unions and it's like, I'm a, I, I, I support unions, but I understand where he's coming from. It's like, nah, you guys want to bring a bunch of lazy motherfuckers in here and slow down my shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have people who aren't lazy motherfuckers who don't want to slow down for anything and they're committed mm-hmm. and I pay them, I pay them well. Like they wouldn't work here otherwise. You know what I mean? They right. don't have to be here. Like I fire 
you can't get on my squad unless you're tight. You know what I mean? <laughs> These people know that, and I'm not squeezing them harder than they need to be squeezed. You know what I mean? So I uh, yeah. I try to follow those articles in the news too because I'm like, man, is it? But but that's I've applied for jobs there, and you you can't. Like they have yeah. a message on the machine. Like you don't, you just get a generated email response. There's everybody wants to work there. And yeah, that's why, because it's yeah. like, you know, it's like you're changing the fucking world, man. Which is like so you're going to sit here and bitch. I, ha- I had to work two extra hours today and he, he didn't pay me overtime because it was fucking 42 hours for that week. Like, I don't think anybody is making that bitch or moan to fucking yeah. HR. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, dude, I'm already getting paid twice what I would be mm-hmm. on the regular fucking market. So Absolutely. those those two hours counted no matter what, whether yeah. it was time and a half or not, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I guess, um, can I also, I, I mean, is it okay to ask about like the new stuff you're doing? Because didn't you say you were doing some cannabis stuff too? Yeah. Can, can uh, you talk about that or the company that you're working with? I can't really talk about um, the, the name of the company yet. But okay, I am working with. And, and, and can you can you talk about how you got into that and what sort of sort of stuff you're tackling right now? And yeah. I will be back in in one minute and thirty seconds. Can you can you please entertain Absolutely. anybody who's listening? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. A lot a lot of fluids. Even All right, I'll be right back. <laughs> I love you, girl. Yeah. So we um, I have a friend named. Well, I can't say his name, but we met. 10 years ago through doing music stuff together um and he lives in, outside of Tacoma and he's been a music guy forever throwing concerts he owns a studio um just a bunch of cool music related stuff but about I would say maybe two years ago he we flew out to Milwaukee Wisconsin for a show that he was throwing and he hired my company to come and produce it and when we got out there, you know, he had paid for like all this radio advertising, he paid for the club, he paid for everybody's travel. And then the artist decided not to show up. The artist decided to stay in Las Vegas and just kick it for the weekend and didn't show up to his gig. And so the artist manager was like, oh, you know, we'll give you all your money back, whatever. But he had already lost a ton of money on all the other extra things that he had paid for. Like I said, the radio promotion, et cetera. Um, so anyway, we took that huge loss together. We had to like face the 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 people from the radio station, the promoters, everybody who was ready to put the show on. So we all came back to the Northwest feeling super defeated. And he was broke for a while. And I remember, I think it took him a few months to like start building up some money. And then he took like 50K and invested it into a farm. At the time, the, the farm had two owners already, I think. So he was a third yeah. owner of the farm and 30, 30%. Yeah. And so the farm started doing yeah. pretty well. Like it took a while to like get into the rhythm, whatever, but then they started doing really well. And then eventually I think he, I'm not sure how, but he became sole owner. So now he's the sole owner of this farm and it's doing really, really well, making really great money. He's got a great staff. He's got, you know, a really good operation going. And now he's like, okay, so now I have money to do all the things we wanted to do before music related now we can buy tour buses we can book our own tours we can you know open a venue if that's what we want we could throw free events for the community like what all those cool things we've always wanted to do now we have the money let's do it and so that's kind of how the conversation started um so we've been you know meeting online uh meeting in person just trying to brainstorm how we can put it together but it's looking like you know here in a couple months we're going to be able to roll out some stuff where 
We're going to start doing some cool marketing events to, just to promote his brand and involve some artists with it. Um, and, so and that's in Washington. It's in Washington too, correct? Yeah, it's in Washington. Yeah. Do you guys come to Spokane? Hit me up, man. I'm down. Like, I'm super down. Like, do, can, can, can I get like some kind of press pass? Can we bring a camera through as Concerned Dad's podcast? And yeah. Talk, talk, get little two-minute interviews from folks? Yeah, whatever we do. I mean, I'll, I'll make sure to include you if we come out your way. We have to. Tight. Yeah, out, girl. Because <laughs> man, I feel like, like there's a. Uh, I've been to a lot of conferences, right? And they're just everybody's selling something, but there wasn't that many people creating content. And I'm like, mm -hmm. fuck, dude. There's so many cool characters here, you know. Like, mm -hmm. there's so many cool clips of of everything, you know. Yeah. So like, that's that's one thing I want to attack, especially from the cannabis angle, because mm -hmm. there's not there's no coverage in the news at all. That's why we started as mm -hmm. Concerned Dads podcast. We do entertainment too now because more entertainment folks are, you know, willing to coordinate and come on the show. But the cannabis folks too, they, they some of them still understand. It's like, no, dude, they're promoting what we're doing. Like, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and it's uh, it's cool to document it because the news doesn't. They 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 paint mm -hmm. the picture they want and get two quotes and that's it. And I talk to people for an hour to see what they really think about mm -hmm. what's going on. You know? And, that's, and that's important to me. I think especially with something as, you know, taboo as cannabis, like it's so important to control your own content and to control your own narrative. Like you've got to yeah. from the inside, because if you let the, you know, mainstream media and even just regular media if you let them paint the picture of what the cannabis industry and the cannabis world is it's always going to be wrong it's always going to be from a bias angle so people like you it's yeah. super important that you guys that are on the inside you tell the story yourself in yeah. first person you know yeah that's that's what i dig man we, we, we uh got a couple more cannabis people coming up i, I podcasted okay. with on one and tj on Friday night and their their third co-host his name is Paul and he works at a dispensary but he also he had some fire ass weed man some cherry kush I was like yo what is it he's like cherry kush I'm like who do this he was like Nibiru Gardens I'm like dude I know that guy on IG so he's a medical grower but I'm just like man I, I remember bugging him to get on the show could you bug him to get on the show and we follow each other now again you know what I mean yeah. I think he tuned out and so it's like man it uh it's cool to to meet more cannabis folks who are willing to tell yeah. their story, you know, because okay. it is, it's important to me because I'm like, man, dude, I, my show is not about my story. You know what I mean? But anybody I'm hanging out with, if they ask, it's like, mm -hmm. yo, this is what happened to me. And that's, that's how it went. And that's why I'm into it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it, it's dude, especially people, even if they're not that successful, like the, some of the breeder guys I have on my show are not like the most popular, you know, but, breeding is an art and it takes a lot of time and patience to create mm -hmm. a new strain and so I, I just dig talking to those guys too about their story yeah that's um, cool i just it's it's dope that you're you're promoting cannabis too in addition <laughs> to entertainment man i mean they go hand in hand like you can't have they, one without the other you know what i'm saying so it makes sense to basically give both of them a platform at the same time like why not yeah and uh, that's one thing I want in the future. I want to be in a venue where there's live music, where mm -hmm. I can smoke a blunt and mm -hmm. drink my beer at the same time in a crowd of people who are doing the same thing. You know? Man, yeah. I think there's, that, at least in Oregon, it's probably a little ways away. Like Portland still has some of the craziest 
liquor commission laws in the whole country. It's kind of nuts. Um, and you know, they run the marijuana industry also. So they, yeah. OLCC. It's tough for sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, we, we still have like 15 minutes left. Um, is there a direction that you would like to take the interview and talk about anything in specific or, or can I continue on in my random line of questioning? Like, you is can there, ramble. Is there anything I like rambling. Okay. Okay, cool. So can you tell us, um, like, dude, you've done so many shows and everything. You're like, it's almost like interviewing a rapper who's been on tour for years. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because you were, you were there too with all these. Can, can you tell us a couple of uh, crazy stories? And then also yeah, I wanted to ask you specifically, if you, if you want to tell this, like, I'm a huge uh, Nipsey Hussle fan. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when he passed away, I was, I was really bummed out because I really listen to his music to get to where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't feel yeah. super successful or, or in a position to boast or anything, but I did, like I came a long ways. I still have a long mm-hmm. ways to go, but listening to that guy's music was really motivational and inspiring to me as an artist and an entrepreneur. And so I know that you've done at least one show, maybe more with him. So mm-hmm. can you, can you tell me any stories about Nip? Man, Nip is such an enigma to everybody. I remember um, that time when he came out to Portland for the uh, the Smokers Club tour. I think that year he had just made the freshman list on Double uh, XL, and a lot of freshman people still, yeah, still people d- didn't really know who he was. Still, I think like he was slowly starting to like, gain momentum. Yeah. I think people on the West the, Coast knew who he was, but like yeah, the rest it was, of the people didn't. I was in college in like oh seven oh eight, and I. I sold weed to a bunch of cats on the football team that were from LA. Mm-hmm. And I remember like uh, my girlfriend stayed with, you know, roommates with their girlfriends. And so we'd, we'd end up smoking and drinking at nighttime. And I pulled out the, it was on coast to coast and it had bullets ain't got no names. Mm. And when I played that for them, like all of those guys looked like, what the fuck is this? Where it's like guys from LA, man, like coast to coast mixtapes. And <laughs> they, they hadn't heard it before. And so I felt like they were like, yeah, Man, vote for me if you want a DJ. You know what I mean? Like I'll come through and turn my function. But those guys, I remember telling them like they ain't making stuff like this in New York, bro. You know what I mean? Like this is just some West West Coast shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? So everybody felt proud, you know. So we, like we try to book him in Portland a bunch of times, but I think because in Portland is such a weird city like that. And it's one of the many issues that we've encountered with just even trying to be a hip hop promotions company here, but it's um they have like a very negative perception of the hip hop scene in in culture, yeah. right? And so hard hard they, to book shows all around the city, man. If yeah, you're, oh if for you're sure. Rapping. And that's partially yeah. why, to be honest, like we have to pat ourselves on the back for being around for ten years because it's not yes, we've seen a lot of companies go. You know what I'm saying? And we've been able to you know, stay, you know, on the radar and stay active, even though it's extremely difficult. You know, we, our dream is to own our own venue because part of the reason we never brought Nipsey to Portland is because a couple of times venues try to book him, the city shut it down. The city was like, yeah, no, you cannot bring him. He's gang related, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's a lot of blue in Portland too. So, you know what I mean? But it, it doesn't matter, man. It's everybody. Yeah. I feel like everybody, everybody who comes to it, I don't, I don't think he had that many incidents. You know what I mean? No. I mean, to be honest, uh, we threw I, a I feel show like everybody's Tyga. pretty respectful. We do a show uh-huh. with Tyga. And after the Tyga show, 
so many fights outside. Like one dude got left like straight leaking on the pavement because after the show, people were like walking back to their cars. It was like a couple blocks away. There was like a huge fight. Dude got stomped out on the curb and left there. Like that had nothing to do with us. The show is over. But like, how can you look at an artist and say, oh, he's going to bring a bad crowd. He's not when it's so unpredictable. You don't know. You never know. When yeah, people get drunk, know. when yeah. people get some weed or some liquor in their system or whatever, like it's uncontrollable. Like we have no say in what's going to happen. And so to blame an artist and say, you can't bring yeah. him to town because he's going to start problems. Like that's not fair, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, but we were okay. super bummed because we, we really wanted to continue to, to do work with Nipsey. We had a, uh, one of our colleagues that we work with out of Dallas. He knew Nipsey pretty well and he booked him for a bunch of stuff all over the country. And so <laughs> he'd always be like, hey, let's book Nipsey in Portland. Let's bring Nipsey to Portland. And we were like, bro, we've already tried it. Like the, the venues won't mess with it because the city's going to shut it down. So well, that's did, did, he never... squeak, did he squeak through on the one though where you guys had multiple people on there? That like, was, was that early? early? That yeah, was early. That was did you get did did you get did you get to meet him then? Mm-hmm. Backstage, uh, I have a picture of it. I think I posted it on my social media after he passed. But yeah, um, what was that cool, like, man? Just a cool, mellow, laid back guy, super tall, like su- like just tall, lanky, longest arms in the world. But he was just so chill. Like everybody else was doing the most, and he was just kind of to himself, just waiting for his turn to go up on stage. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then we've had other shows where, um, like YG, for example, you know what I mean? Like YG, similar type of uh, persona, yeah. LA. He's yep. super blooded out. He's telling all of his fans, yep. like, on the flyer to wear red to his show. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. if you want to talk about gang related, that's gang related. Like, Nipsey wasn't even doing all yeah. that, you know? No. And, and, and I, I'm not a YG hater, but I'm a super big Nip fan. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, just one of, one of my son's moms, she's big on YG. She's like, did you hear the new one? I was like, yeah, I listened to it. I wasn't that impressed. You know? <laughs> she's like, well, why do you say I was like, I sent her uh, the, what was it, uh, Victory Lap. And mm-hmm. I was like, listen to this. She's mm-hmm. like, that's the difference. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, man. Victory Lap is oh. such a great album. It's just so good. It's just it's so well put together from beginning to end. I mean, and, and a lot of his mixtapes were, but like, I feel like Victory Lap was really like putting the yeah, crown on it. it was, you know what I mean? Yeah, not not just writing, but production too. You know just what I the mean? Whole like like, the whole feeling. The whole feeling that you get from listening to that project is different. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, that, that's dope. Thank you for answering that question. Can mm-hmm. I also ask about um, Amine? Yeah. He's, he's an artist. He's an artist from Portland who's mm-hmm. recently blown up. Um, to give a little bit of context, I want to tell the folks. Uh, I, I heard this kid was from Portland. He had this song Caroline that was heating up. It was playing on the radio. Um, and then I saw that he had a show and it was booked somewhere. I, I don't remember the venue, but it sold out. And so they're like, we're, we're moving it to a bigger venue. And it sold out. And then I think after that second one, like I figured out that it was you throwing the show. <laughs> and so after the second one sold out, it's like, we're moving it to the Roseland. I think the Roseland is where it happened, right? Mm-hmm. It's where it settled. And yep. I, well, me, me and my, my lady at the time got tickets. So I was like, damn, we're going, you know? And uh, I had your guys' name on the marquee too. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Like it, it just, 
it felt official because and, and i think you even came on stage and introduced or something like i, I remember i i feel like i saw you like on the stage just I for a second have, to introduce or something i don't think i introduced him i'm trying to think that was the first show i must one thing i always do at all of our shows is i make sure that kids have water at the front because those kids that are in the very front of the section at the concerts They've been in line for hours. They get there. They get stuck in the front and can't get out to go pee, to go get water. Yeah. They are dehydrated. Girls are fainting. Like, it's so bad. And so every show we throw, I somehow end up in the front, in, like, the photography pit, like, handing out waters to kids, pulling kids out myself so they can, like, be taken care of. Um, and that's usually when people yeah. see me because they're like, oh, there's the best down in the front <laughs> being a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like I did see you at some point during the stage, but yeah. it, it was a super dope show. I, I think I saw one kid get kicked out, and it's like he was smoking a blunt at the edge of the crowd. It's like, bro, you got to be in the middle of the crowd to fucking fire up a blunt. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? You're stupid. He, <laughs> one, I saw one kid, one kid get kicked out, but fucking, he's dumb. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 you know, but it, it was super impressive. Like the the show went off good, and he like he. He sang uh, Novocaine from Frank Ocean, mm. like, as part of his intro. I was just like, dude, I fucking, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, it, it just, it was a super good time. And it felt good to spend money on a ticket that was an entertaining show, but also booked by a, a person that I had history with, you know. Yeah, so it was just thank good, you for coming. Good, good, good vibes all around. It, it was a super dope time. Like, how, how did you meet him? And, like, how, how like, because I know he he's uh he's really from Portland. You know yeah, I mean? he's so really from it's Portland. Like you, yeah. You can know, can you talk about artists, his his come up a little bit? A lot of artists that are, you know, popular in Portland. I shouldn't say a lot. A couple artists from from Portland are not from Portland. They're from like LA or other cities. They come to Portland, they start to blow up a little bit, and then they go back to wherever they came from. But nah, I mean he's really like from Portland. Um, known him since he was about five years old. He and my little sister were in the same grade in school, and so he used to like come to birthday parties and stuff like that. But I don't, we didn't get close until he was in high school because obviously, like, I was throwing concerts and stuff like that, and he was starting to get more serious about music. So we yeah. actually put him on his very first show ever. Um, at the time he was playing with the band, and they came. They opened up for Pac Div. I don't know if you remember Pac Div. They were a yeah. Uh, got my Vans on, but they look like sneakers. So that's yeah. uh, that's the Pac. Yeah. But this okay. is called yep. Pac Div. And so yeah, we put him on that show. It was super dope. Um, and from then on, I just kept, like, supporting him. And, like, I would always hit him and just be like, what's up? What are you working on? You know what I mean? It was, like, a few times that we, like, he needed, like, a ride to the studio or, you know, just things like that. So I was really just, you know, trying to help him out because I saw a lot of potential in him. And I saw that he was taking music, like, pretty seriously. And I would say, you know, in high school, any kid that's that focused and that driven and that talented, like, you should, they're special. You should definitely do what you can to help them. And so that's what, that's really what I wanted. I didn't want anything else out of that. Uh, yeah. Um, but then uh, when he went yeah. to college is when things really started taking off for him. He had just really done a great job by like networking with people in the industry. The music was getting better. He was constantly working on his, you know, music and getting, you know, better musically and better connected, et cetera. And, um, 
it was through that and I think also just building up his following like at Portland State and growing across the country and then of course all the African kids love him to death um yeah because because are his parents his parents are immigrants mm-hmm. yep yeah because that's he, he he looked of culture you know yeah, what I mean he's a, I'm just like yeah Ethiopian or Eritrean I'm not oh, sure. Oh, man, dude, that's Yeah, man, but he's just cool. such a good person. And so now it, it just feels really good to, like, see that he's gotten to the point that he's at right now because he is super talented. He's super creative. He's taken a lot yeah. of risks with his music. And I think um, the people of Portland really appreciate him um, because he's been consistent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and the the video for that Caroline song too that that big Kahuna Burger sponsored it or something, and mm-hmm. I just I I don't even know the logistics of what they gave up to to it, it just the 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 co branding you know mm-hmm. what I mean of of their burger spot and this song like the song is banging I I went to the place afterwards to get a burger and the burgers are good. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. in in the video too, it's like, it's not even him. It's one of his little homies who was like dancing in the background, but like he has one of the burgers and he takes a huge bite and it just like, it's only for like two seconds. And it's like, dude, that's such good promotion. You know what I mean? For, for both parties, it's almost comedic, but it's also like, now the, the the food is fire, man. Check it out. And, and, and just that, that song, like, it's not super nasty, but it, it is. It's it's like youthful, uh, you know, player type shit, and it just mm-hmm. I, I was just super impressed with it. And I think that's why have, it blew up because it was so yeah. like, cool and chill and laid back and relatable and just catchy, you know. Yeah, dude, like super, like the hook was on fire, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, um, I, I tried to add him on Facebook. I, uh, I'm gonna bug him to come on the show, but that guy's super <laughs> popular. But it would be dope to interview him sometime too about his music because I, I am impressed, man. Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah, it's tight. Um, that, uh, what, what, what else would, would you? Oh, oh wait, wait. Okay, so we're we're almost to an hour right now. Can can you hang out for like 15 more minutes? Yeah, Beth? Is that of okay? course. Okay, cool. Okay, okay, so uh, I always forget to ask this question. And I remind myself every single episode, like, no, you got to ask it. It's a two-sided question. And I try to ask it um, of everyone who is an artist or a business person. Um, The first side is the good side. (laughs) What do you feel? What do you feel has been your best move on the path to where you're at right now? And Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not one singular move. Maybe it's one behavior or one habit or, or one thing that, it's like if I hadn't have done this, like that was the best move. Can you talk about that? What has been my best move on my path? You know, I I have a lot of skills and I don't wanna I don't wanna say this to sound cocky, but when you are an independent uh promoter or an independent or small business owner, you have to wear so many hats, right? Like you have to be able to do Hell it. Hell yeah. You got to be the bookkeeper, Fuck the yeah. marketing person, the photographer, the salesman. All I got, the yeah. The, um, the fucking host, the, the writer. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, and so I, I had to learn a lot of skills really fast in order to kind of keep our business afloat in the beginning. So I had to learn how to do like digital strategy before digital strategy was a big thing right like we were young business owners trying to figure out how do we promote our shows online um what is our brand like what what do we stand for like what is our messaging 
Um, so I was doing a lot of the marketing. I was doing a lot of the direct sales, like literally printing up tickets, taking in them and selling them to people at their home. You know what I'm saying? I was putting up the posters. I was handing out the flyers at the show. I was like at the front door, making sure everybody got checked in. I was handling contracts. I was making sure people got paid. Like it was a lot. And it, although it's myself and my business partner, Jacob, and I owe a lot of this stuff to him, I feel like because I'm such a hands-on person, I was doing a lot. And it took years for me to figure out that until I start delegating and trusting other people with some of these tasks, I'm not going to be able to grow my business. My business will yeah. continue to stay at the level that it's at because I don't know, I can't do all of the day-to-day tasks and also focus on big picture. And so it was, yeah. it was then when I started to bring people onto our team, to our team that I could trust that I could say, okay, you handle only marketing. Anything marketing goes to you. You handle only sales. Me and Jacob will focus on, he will network with artists. I will network with, you know, venues or whatever, right? Like when we got to that point, then I felt like we started to get in a better rhythm and that's when things started to really kind of fall into place for us. Um, and, and like I said, I know that's super tough and no matter what industry you're in or what type of business you have, it's your baby, right? Like your business is your baby. It's yeah. your vision. So it's not easy to let go of any of that control and it's not easy to let go of that creativity and, and all that. But as and my friend said this to me and it really resonates with me to this day, but he said, as long as you continue to work in the business, you'll never be able to work on the business. And that yeah. I was like, my blown, you Dude. know, because it's so true. Yeah. If you're doing Dude, the that's good task, advice. Yeah, really good advice. Day stuff, you'll never be able to think long-term. You'll never be able to be innovative. You'll never be able to take your business, regardless of what it is, to the next level. So you have to start to learn to delegate. Yeah. Dope. dope. Good advice. Okay. So, the other side of the question, the, the flip side of the coin, the, the bad part is, uh, the bad part is, what do you feel has been your biggest mistake or your biggest fuck up? Mm. You know I mean, it's like, fuck. If I if I wouldn't have done that, fuck, I'd, I'd be much better off in a in much less time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Because because no, like it's I I love talking about the wins, but the mm. L's are relevant, dude. Absolutely. Like it shapes character, Absolutely. and it's like. You the the pain is invisible, but you can't hide the scars. Jada Kiss said that. Ooh, you know that's I mean? a bore. So, yeah. I think one of the things. So, like I said, being a small business, um, and having downtime, and and not having the type of business where every day you're making money. It's like we'll go a month without an event, and then we have two huge events, and we make a bunch of money, and then the next show that we throw, we lose half of that money because nobody buys tickets. And then the next yeah. month we make money again, right? So it's like, it's such a fluctuation. Um, we had to take out a couple of business loans to keep us afloat and to keep us operational because we needed to, you know, stay relevant. And the thing about our industry is like, it, if you stop doing shows, it's not like your problems go away. You still owe people money. You still have bills to pay, et cetera. So we have to keep doing shows. But in order to do shows, you need money to get the shows booked you know? yeah so, takes money to make money mm -hmm. man. so we had to take out a couple of business loans and i think we failed at doing our research really well as to exactly what we were signing up for because one loan in particular is like 
a very predatory loan and those type of people like they prey on small businesses that are in a crunch and so they were taking out like a hundred and fifty dollars out of our account every day that was their payment something ridiculous right and so we got to the point we were like yo it doesn't matter how much money we make like we're losing it within weeks because these people are taking all of our fucking money you know what i'm saying and so yeah we're still dealing with some of the legality of that. Like we've talked to like an attorney and we've talked to some accountants and some financial folks who have basically told us like this type of loan and this type of deal is kind of illegal. Like you guys should not have to pay this back because they're basically taking your future money, money that you haven't even made yet. And I guess that's like yeah. Um. So I would say that's probably one of our biggest setbacks was just like when you get in a when you get in a bad spot financially and you're trying to stay afloat as a small business like regardless of how bad it is and i know sometimes it feels like it's the end you hit rock bottom and and you see an easy way out and you take it but sometimes you don't think about what the consequences of that are going to be and for us like i said we took one of those loans out years ago and we're still dealing with it today like they just called my phone today you know what i'm saying so I would just say Damn. definitely like not not doing that research and then jumping on opportunities like that. Uh, I would I wish we could have done something different, but yeah. Yeah, well, super super honest answer, man, and good mm-hmm. advice for anybody who's getting into the business because I, I remember uh, it was like a month or two ago. My guy Mitch right there in production, he he wrecked his rig right, and mm-hmm. it was on Sunday night, so we couldn't broadcast that night. I had to go post something on ig like fuck he's and then after he, he you know i was like man are you gonna get an electric he's like no nah, i'm not financing anything he's like fuck that if i can't afford it buy it out right yeah and he's he's rolling like a lincoln now some super pimp you know what I mean? he's, he's balling in his new rig you know what i mean and exactly. I, I just totally i i i dig his principles mm-hmm. you know what i mean because he's just like no nah, i'm not gonna deal with any yeah. of that paperwork and it sucks that's, man that's, yeah that's what reminds me but again uh, like as small businesses like especially for entertainment industry like there aren't always funds available because entertainment is not a necessity right like it's a a little extra so or for for cannabis industry too it's mm -hmm. like you need capital to make that shit jump off it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you got game if you can't make it through that first year and pay everyone you can't go rent Mm-hmm. You know? And so we, even now, like even through like COVID and the pandemic and stuff, there's been a lot of resources out there for, you know, small businesses and different industries have gotten more money and more bailouts and stuff like that. But entertainment, like independent music venues just got money, like in the past, in the last like three weeks or so, something finally passed to get some more relief going to these venues because think about it if you were a small venue that holds you know three to four hundred people you're probably already struggling and then this hit, and yeah. now you had to lay off all of your staff you still have to pay lease on your building and on your equipment and your insurance etc and you have well, no income dude, yeah almost i don't even care i almost i'll say small businesses but most even if you're a large business mm-hmm. if you go two months with no fucking revenue mm-hmm. or half of the revenue that is on your spreadsheet for projections for mm-hmm. the year oh yeah you're in bad you're shape. you're fucked you're fucked like you gotta take a loan or you're gonna go out of business like because your projections for the next year are complete you don't have 
nobody, no, it's not there. Nobody's going to get what they want. Nobody's, but also you, know, you have to think about how people have been able to adapt. So if you're a restaurant, when COVID happened, you were shut down for a little while and then you figured it out. Then you started doing takeout or delivery or yeah. curbside pickup, right? Same thing if you're yeah. in a store, you just set up your online orders and then people could pick them up at the door and you'll just do curbside. For a music venue, like, what are you going to do? How Nothing. do you make money? You, know what I mean? you can't sell liquor. Nah. You can't sell your food. You can't throw concerts. Nobody's going to be like, I, I need a t-shirt from the Hawthorne Theater, so I'm going to go Nobody's going to do that, right? Curbside pick up that. <laughs> yeah, that nobody. Of, that was part of the, the problem, and that's why um, like this organization, Save Our Stages, was formed because it was a bunch of independent venues saying, hey, we need help, or once this is over, well, none of us are going to be able to open again. Because they were, you know, in a bad position. And so, um, thankfully, like I said, that finally passed. The government finally gave up some money to help support venues and whatnot. But, I mean, the fight's not over. Like, there's no plan as of right now for live entertainment to return. You know how they're making projections with, like, school and restaurants and malls, et cetera. Like, they're rolling out things little by little. Like, live entertainment, it's just, like, that's the last thing on their agenda. So Bottom bottom of the list Mm -hmm. and shit. That sucks because that's... I was so like I couldn't make it up here to Spokane in time to make it to the tool show with my girlfriend before I moved here. Mm-hmm. And then they did they did Spokane and then Portland and then that was it. The tour ended. Yeah. But I was like super hopeful that I could see them in in Tacoma in May. Nope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they canceled all their shows throughout the year and it's just like, man, my guy Mitch, he made it to the Spokane show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I, I try to tell any of the homies who made it to Spokane or Portland for this last leg. I'm like, dude, you're blessed. Like, that's my church. I fucking love that band. And it sucks to not look forward to something where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's going to be a good time. We can yeah. buy the tickets. Everything's on that weekend. We're going to fucking have a really awesome weekend. Yeah. It's, I got that the most from live music. and. Same. I, I like my enjoyment now is like creating content. You know, I get to do the podcast every week and then I, I go and meet with my guys in the band down in uh, Lewiston Lapway every couple of weeks to record. And so that floats my boat. And then it, it just, you don't know. It's like, dude, what if we create the most classic shit ever and everybody's consuming it online and yeah. we can't go, we can't go and perform it live. Mm-hmm. Like, and Let's I try not that. to think the worst thoughts, but I try to prepare for the worst. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you think about like big artists, like big mainstream artists, like YG, for example, like they're killing it off the streams anyway. They're getting their royalty money. You know, they'll set up some merch online and people will go crazy and buy it. But think about the small independent artists, the ones who are the opening acts for YG, right? The ones that maybe didn't quite have like a record deal just yet, who made a lot of their money from touring and merch sales. Like those guys are hurting right now. And unless they have somehow found a way to make money off of merch or somehow started promoting their music so they could get more streams, I don't know, but like those guys aren't making any money. And then to make it even worse, right? Think about when you go to a concert, you see between five to 20 people on stage at a show, right? Whether it's a band yeah. or openers, DJs, whatever. But yep. you see so many more staff at the venues, the people checking you in at the door, the people scanning your tickets, the security guards, the bartenders, the waitresses, the cooks, the, yes. the stagehands, the light tech. It's industry. Yeah. As an industry, yeah. the music, the yeah. live music venues 
employ so many people. And in addition to that being like their primary source of income, it's also their livelihood. Like people (laughs) grow to become friends and family at these venues. And now they've been completely pulled away from that. And uh, that really sucks for a lot of people that I've spoken to that are part of the music industry. They're like, man, like, I almost feel like I'm depressed. Like I miss it so much. I just want to get back to it. You know what I'm saying? And it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that you're shouting out all those people too. That's uh, one reason why I like the band Tool so much. I've heard complaints from certain homies online, like, oh, Maynard doesn't even get at the front of the stage and dance around or do any moves. And it's it's like, dude, they're, the music is the main attraction, but the visual show on the screen and the mm-hmm. beats and everything is what's really going to entertain you. And I think it's dope of him to stand in the back next to the drummer because he can hear the most and it sounds the best coming through the, the sound system. Like, bro, their 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 live show is so mic'd up, you don't need headphones mm-hmm. or or I mean ear earplugs. It's like, nah, you're good. It's not it's loud, but it's not so loud it's gonna blow your eardrums, man. Like it's it's good. Unless you're in the first twenty rows, I guess. But it mm-hmm. uh I've heard people complain about that. And then I've heard him in interviews say like, dude, our show is so much more than just the four guys on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, it's number it, guys who created the video. A lot of those guys, I think are there at the show cueing it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And playing yeah. it on the screen. And then the guitar technicians, like you're saying that the people serving drinks, the yeah, man. security, it's everyone, it's like, dude. yeah. And it's like, yeah, they, they get paid a lot but they pay a lot of their people too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it it feeds everyone. It's not just, it's not just these guys balling out. It's like, no, this, this guy, you know, he still has a truck and a house and a couple Mm -hmm. kids and he's, he's able to live because we're, we're popular and we're doing our shit, you know? And, and they love to do what they do, right? Like people who are roadies, like, okay, your job is to move drum sets on and off stage every night, but you love being on the road. You love seeing a new city every night. You love being with the homies on a tour bus, you know, for three months straight. Like, it's a lifestyle that is very addictive. And so when you take that away from people, you're taking away their livelihood. And unfortunately, as of right now, there's no safe way to bring back concerts in a way that's going to guarantee people's safety and health, right? So I understand why we're you know, kind of last on the to-do list. But at the same time, it's like, man, if anything right now is a perfect time for entertainment somehow to be a distraction for people because we've been cooped up for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And once this nice weather is gone and we can't be outdoors, like going on high like what the hell are we going to (laughs) do? Yeah. Like I I, I try to encourage more homies to create art and, podcast and do do whatever it's like dude like uh talk about shit that you like you know because mm-hmm. even if you can't be in in person with people like uh because i i'm an instacart shopper right like i mm. i've been doing the shit since it hit you know what i mean i'm just like man i'm fine i didn't get sick i'm cool I'm not you know super paranoid about anything but i can tell when i see an old person at the store they haven't talked to a human in mm-hmm. two months yeah and they really fun. it doesn't it doesn't matter what you're talking like like they just want to share a little bit about their day or their mm-hmm. story and have someone respond and it's just like i recognize it you know what i mean and it's like fuck i'll, I'll, I'll take your cart back to the mm-hmm. thing but it, it just uh i could tell like humans need that interaction oh, and for i feel sure. like i feel like that's why music was so popular because it provided that you know what mm-hmm. i mean and and now it's 
it is. It's strange times, and I, I hope everything works out. And because fuck, dude, I man, I want to buy another ticket to a cracking show. Yeah. See your name on the marquee. You know what I mean? Like that. Because I, I didn't, I didn't get to go to the Travis Scott one. I, I've been really studying rock and roll for the past ten years because that's what I'm trying to do. But when something's popular with with rap or or I'm DJing, I hear about it, and so it would just. I knew that guy was super popular at the time and yeah the lines outside i was just like man your, your name on the marquee i was just like man, that's <laughs> dope man like that is the shit man <laughs> thank you yeah yeah so we're we're at like an hour and 15 minutes is there any other before we wrap is there any like any ideas or or messages you want to promote to the the community at all or or plans for the future anything that you would like to share and then also please share your social media you know where where people can follow you yeah. and, and find you online cuz um yeah i mean i would just you know a, a message of like positivity and all this is that i think the beauty of the quarantine that we've been in is that people have either found new gifts and talents or they've had the time to go back and revisit old things that they used to do hobbies whatever you know like you said now you, because you can't do music how you want to you're creating content like that's so dope maybe this would have never happened on this level if it weren't for the quarantine right like if we hadn't been yeah. forced to do something different we would have still been doing the same thing and so i would just encourage people to keep doing that you know what i'm saying keep exploring your passions that thing that you've been putting off forever, like go do it now. That book you've been wanting to read, man, read that shit. That movie you went to yeah. watch, watch it. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been seeing a ton of like young people starting businesses, whether it's, you know, cook, making meals at home and selling them or braiding hair or a t-shirt yeah. line, whatever. Like it's a really great time for us to dig into those talents because once this is over, who knows when we'll have an opportunity to just slow down the way that we've been able to slow down right now. You know what I'm saying? And so I've gotten yeah. a lot more into like plants and meditation and crystals and just being like earthy and wellness and all that stuff. And I don't know that I would be doing that if my life was, you know, going 10 miles a minute. Yeah. Yeah. We might, we might not have got you on the podcast if you had a show coming up in the next couple of weeks, you bet. You know what I mean? You might not have responded to the message. Yeah. <laughs> no, we would have like, figured it out. I'm, I'm too busy, fucker. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, I'll call you next month. You know? We would have figured it out. No doubt. Well, I, I, dude, I got to express my appreciation for you taking the time. Yeah, thank and, you. And, and letting, letting us ask you questions on the podcast about your, your career and your, your path. Man, man anytime, anytime. It, it is like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always a fan of the project. If it speaks to me emotionally, you know, mm -hmm. but if, if that is the case, then I'm severely interested in the people be behind the scenes, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's dope to be able to know one of those people and interview them and create some content. So, Thank you, Beth, for coming on the thank show. Thank you, and thank you yeah. for doing this. This is super dope that you're giving, you know, just regular people a platform to tell their stories. I think that's super important, and we should do a lot more of that. So, good job. Kudos to you and your producer. No doubt. Thanks. Um, and also the uh, brown table discussions. Oh, yeah. Um, like, there's I only a few episodes, but I want to try and direct people towards that, and I want to encourage you to 
please pick that back up if you can't do it in the same place in time. I'm gonna ask Mitchell for uh, like a, a standard operating procedures list on on OBS. So because yeah. it is like you can you can do it uh, remotely, and that's mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how Mitchell's the man. You know, like he's my he's guy. Admit, so. Yeah, he's making magic. Yeah, for sure. We used to I used to do um I used to co-host a podcast called Brown Table Discussions and. We would basically talk about, you know, politics, um, you know, pop culture, um, things that kind of relate to the everyday brown person. And uh, it was really yeah. dope. Uh, we had episodes on like pot on um, Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And uh, I think they just got pulled off of there like a couple months ago. But we had recently transitioned to like a video format where we were doing like a bunch of really cool video stuff and then like discussing it and whatnot. We had like really dope guests on there. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. If you guys want to check it out, I think it's just Brown Table Discussions on Instagram and on YouTube. It's, it's on YouTube. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can find it. Like I, I got it bookmarked. I, I, I had a busy week and I didn't get to watch anything. Yet, no, it's, it's all good. Take your time. I'm going to check it out. And then my personal and, Instagram is just ebats alter ego. And that's the same for Twitter as well. Can you can you spell it spell it out, please? There's no apostrophes. It's all lowercase. No. Can you please just, just say the letters out loud? I B E T H S A L T E R E G O. Beth's alter ego. Beth's alter ego. No no apostrophes. Yeah. All lowercase. All one word. Yep. No. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. Um. Yeah, I because. I, the brown table discussions like i'm like man that's a super good idea because it is there's that's we don't get coverage in the mainstream mm-hmm. media and and uh, in this day and time people are looking for something else than what mm-hmm. is in the mainstream media that speaks to them so for sure that's i want to encourage you and try and push you in that direction Eva. thank Eva, you I hey i would love to bring it back i need to, we need to figure out how to do it logistically but i would love to yeah um and then also if if you ever need anything from me, I'm not super popping to try and book any shows or anything, but uh, any kind of questions or even if it's cannabis stuff, and, and please hit me up if you come to Spokane with the company you're working with absolutely, now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I would um, love to. Yeah, but really, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your stories with us, man. It means a lot. Um, super proud of the moves you've made. And, Thank uh, you. You know, I'm super excited about the stuff you're going to do in the future, too. So, thank you. Um, yeah. Well, I'll be back thank you. on the show to share more of that stuff as it starts happening. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, man, for real. I want to invite you back, too. And, and anytime you have something new coming out, it, it doesn't, if you want to come on here and promote it and, and sell it anytime, you know, yeah. like anytime. I'm down. Yeah. Let's do so, it. Yeah. And, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do my outro dance. This was the 71st episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I was your host, Katie MK, and our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Ebeth Hernandez, the owner of Chapters Alumni. She's made so many huge moves, thrown so many dope shows in the city of Portland (laughs) and around the country. Super, super proud to to be her friend and ask her questions about her career. Um, Please follow her online, Ebeth's Alter Ego on um, Instagram youtube so uh please check her out she's i'm a fan of her work i think you guys will be too um i also got to give a shout out i got to give a shout out to my guys in production mitchell wilson and jesse curry this has been a main node 
and Joseph Street Enterprise Production.